Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with host Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing great, Ted. How are you? I am doing extremely well. Um, I'm getting ready next week. I'm going to go on a little vacation. Uh, So I'll remind everybody we won't have a show next week, but we will the following week. And um, just taking a little little jaunt to uh, Las Vegas. You are? Yes. Yes, Carol and I, my my girl. Sorry. Oh, yes. Yeah. What other reason is there to go to Las Vegas other than fun? Yeah, I'm going to go. So I may need a couch to sleep on in case I lose real big or something. So keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I have just enough left for a flight to Buffalo. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. No, we're just we're just going to – it's her birthday next week, so we always go somewhere and – uh, that's where she wanted to go this year, so I said, okay, we'll go, and we made the right arrangement. So that's where we're going, but I won't bore everybody. I'll, um, hopefully we'll have some interesting uh, stories to share when I come back uh, the following week. So there won't be a show next week, um, but uh, we will be back on air the following week. All right, we've got a great show this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined here just momentarily by uh, one of our latest winners on the uh, LPGA Epson Tour. Uh, she was the winner of the uh, uh, 2022 Ann Arbor Road to the LPGA. And I'll tell you a little bit about her, and then a little bit later on, we're going to be, uh, you and I, Cindy, are going to uh, step into, as it were, the no-BS zone once again, and we're going to talk about seven steps to get out of deep rough. Last week, of course, we talked about bunkers. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about getting out of deep rough, uh, another nemesis that a lot of amateur and our high-handicap golfers struggle with, so we're going to see if we can help them a little bit uh, do that. But let me uh, tell you a little bit about Kira and then we'll uh, bring her on and talk about her win and some other things. Uh, Kira is a native of Finland. Uh, She won uh, the 2018 Finnish Championship. She also placed fifth in 2018 European Championship. Uh, She played collegiate golf at Tampa and earned an all-Sunshine State Conference first-team selection in her junior season. Uh, She finished first in multiple events, such as uh, the RMAC Fall Preview, the St. Leo Invitational, and the Jekyll O'Lantern Invitational as well as the SSC Tourney. Uh, most recently, though, as I mentioned, she won the Epson Tours uh, inaugural 2022 Ann Arbor's Road to the LPGA. So, Cindy, please welcome our very special guest this morning, Kira Rihijarvi. Good morning. Good morning. 
and you're on the road. Yes, I am. I'm on the way to the next event. How fun is traveling on the road? It's really fun. It's definitely very different than in college just because you need to make all your travel plans and, like, figure out where where you're going and what's happening in college. Everybody did that for you. But I'm really enjoying traveling and seeing the country. Are you traveling by yourself? Yeah, currently I'm traveling by myself. Awesome. I think, again, it's it's a little addicting. I believe once you get in the car and you start driving and you get to just go wherever, it's funny because I just yeah. found out last week I got into the Senior LPGA Championship and I looked at the flights. It's in Salina, Kansas, and my husband and I both played on tour. He played on the PGA Tour. I played in the LPGA Tour a long time ago. Uh-huh. And we just looked at each other and said, you know, I think we should drive. Even though it's 17 hours, people look at you like you're nuts. It's like, no, I just want to get in the car and do a road trip, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's so much easier with the amount of things that you have to bring with you than flying. So driving is quite nice. Yeah, I totally agree, totally agree. Ted? So let me just on that note, uh, I'm in the same camp. I love, you know, Carol and I love doing road trips. We're not going to do it, obviously, to Vegas, but um, uh, we love doing road trips and have many, many times gone to New York, gone to Chicago. Uh, I live in Florida, so that gives you an idea of uh, the length of trip that we'll go. Uh, We drove to Texas a few years ago. Um, But one of the things that um, you touched on, and I want to focus on that because we've we've talked to some of the others. Um, As you said, you have to now – maintain your own schedule when you're on a team as you were with tampa you know you've got somebody else sort of organizes things uh how difficult has that something that's been very easily for you to be able to manage your time like that and organize yourself in preparation each week uh or is that something that took you a little while to get used to it's definitely more of a challenge personally i'm not a very i'm not a super organized person so i like to leave things uh, a little late but I have a good team with me that's really been helping me out with the beginning and, like, trying to figure out, like, which events am I playing and how do I get there and what do I have to do. So it's definitely an adjustment, but once you get, like, to the swing of things, it, it, it's much easier. Yeah, I couldn't agree. And, and you know, it's it's always, you know, one of the concerns that I would always have if you're flying is what happens if they lose your clubs, you know, something or they get, you know, yeah. your, your clubs are – or, you know, you're going to Albany, but your clubs end up in Hawaii, you know, or something along that. And that, trust yeah. me, that happens. Um, so, you know, it's kind of nice to have everything right there uh, with, with you in the car, uh, you know, so that you, you know it's there and it's going with you on travels. All right, so let's talk about a little bit about your win. Um, now, as I mentioned, you, you actually won this event a, a few weeks ago. Um, and unfortunately, I had to cancel out the week you were supposed to be on. So we're, we're very grateful you came back. Um, and, and spend some time with us. So tell us a little bit overall, um, leading up to the, to the last uh, round, um, how do you feel, how would you rate your performance in that tournament up until the last round? Uh, were you leading fairly early? Were you coming from behind? Were you struggling a little bit? What was your overall play, do you feel, at that, uh, that particular event until you got into that last round? Uh, I definitely played quite well both of the, the first few days. I... I think before the last day, I was two shots off the lead, but there wasn't 
I think the golf course was playing a little bit tougher, so there wasn't a ton of people in contention on the last day. Mm-hmm. So I think I was only two shots back, and I was playing like I was very happy with the way I was I was playing golf at the time. So I felt pretty good. Also, yeah, very much sh- enjoyed coming from a few shots behind rather than holding a lead. Do you prefer that? Do you prefer coming from behind yeah, as think, opposed to having to go? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I definitely did, did prefer that. Now, you, you started out. Everything is positive. Yeah, you started out with a 68 and then finished with two 69s. Uh, again, 69 your final round. Uh-huh. Um, what, what was interesting, though, and I want to get your perspective on this, and then, Cindy, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, I'm looking at your scorecard from round three, which is the final round, of course. I uh, started out on hole one. You parred that. Then you hit a, uh, which was the only bogey you got that round. Your second hole, you bogeyed that, um, but then bounced right back with a birdie and then had a few more birdies uh, uh, to finish out uh, your round. When you have something, obviously bogeys are going to happen. Do you ever get into a point where um, if you have a, a bad hole or something just doesn't go right, um, what do you do to sort of shed that, that thought from your mind and move forward? How, what do you do to get rid of that sort of negative energy, if you will? Uh, I think it's all about perspective. Just understanding, like, mm-hmm. it, like, are just a part of golf, and they really aren't that serious. Sometimes you get in your head, and in your mind you create this, this scenario that the bogeys are or bigger numbers are the worst things that could have ever happened, but it's, it's, just, it's just golf. It's part of it. Sometimes you make bad bogeys, you make good bogeys. Like it's, it's just part of it, and it doesn't really... Like, on the next hole, you have a fresh start. You can try to make a birdie. Like, it's really not as... It doesn't matter as much as sometimes it feels like it does. Well, I wish I wish most of our amateurs felt the same way that you do. I think they would have a much easier time of things. You know, and, and it's interesting because you said um, that there's both good and bad bogeys, and I believe that's true. There are some holes where a bogey is actually a good score. If it's a really tough hole for you, especially if it, if it doesn't fit your eye or um, what have you, um, sometimes a bogey, to get, to get away with a bogey, um, can actually be a good thing in some situations because it, it could be much worse. So that's a great point and something certainly our amateurs uh, should take note of. Cindy, go ahead. What's the best part of your game? Uh, I would say it's my irons. Like I hit quite a lot of greens in regulation. Like typically how many greens? Uh, right now I'm averaging like 78%. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think people realize how many, how good that is. People think, oh, you got to hit 18 greens in regulation. It's really hard to hit 18 greens, but 78% is awesome. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'll take it. <laughs> and do you hit it really long? I hit it quite average, I would say. Definitely women like people are starting to hit the ball much further so I would say it's quite average awesome and what do you do for fun what do I do for fun yeah uh, 
I like to eat good food, and I like to uh, I like to do a lot of just doing nothing, just existing. is is nice, <laughs> not having to do anything, just watch shows and and I enjoy nature. I like going to I like traveling. Now because we get to see these pretty places, so I enjoy being outside. That's awesome, Ted. So, Kira, let me ask you, um, if you were to sort of assess your overall performance as a, a golfer, you mentioned that your irons are, are a strong part of your game. Um, tell us what areas you still sometimes uh, you would consider not necessarily a work in progress, but, but how would you overall assess your, your game? Um, I would say I'm, I'm pretty okay at everything. I'm not very bad at anything, but definitely around the green is something that, that sometimes needs a little, more, a little bit more work. Like different types of chip shots and wet shots and all that. How do you make it, and this is something that really is a question for um, that I want you to answer uh, for the amateurs particularly that are listening, because this is something that uh, I think stymies everybody uh, that doesn't play at your level. Uh, it can get boring, even for the best players in a practice session. You're out there warming up. Um, you've got to be creative. What do you do to be creative when you're on the practice uh, uh, area, whether it's the, the hitting some tee shots or whether you're working around the greens? Do you sort of invent little games to kind of uh, make it interesting, or what do you do to make it uh, uh, interesting and also challenging for you as you prepare for a round? Uh-huh. Uh, that's a really good question. I I think there's just so many areas at golf that you can practice and do things. So I like to change, like, change around things when I'm doing a lot. Like if I'm getting bored at the range, I'll go putting or chipping. And then I personally have a lot of drills that I can do. So I have a very clear objective of what I'm trying to do, and I'm not just hitting golf balls or putting golf balls around. I have something that I am doing, and I think that's how it it doesn't really get boring for me. Is it important for you to make sure that during those practice sessions, obviously um, you want to keep it interesting and, and, and sort of reinvent things as you go along, is it important to make sure that during your practice sessions that you're challenging yourself in order to prepare for when you get out on the golf course? Because as you know, when you're on the practice tee, um, you know, you've got perfect conditions for the most part. You don't have bad lies. You don't have that. Is it important to make sure you challenge yourself in those practice sessions to make sure that you're, pre- you're really prepared for when you step out on the golf course? I think that really de- depends if I'm, if I'm just warming up to go to play a competitive round, I usually just warm up and try to focus on, like, getting my body really loose and just kind of feeling the shots. If it's more like mm-hmm. a couple of days before and I know, like, if it's a really windy course, that I'm I'm going to try to hit a lot of, like, low shots. Or if I know that the grass is in, like, like there's a lot of places there isn't that much grass, I'll, I'll try to hit something that, that's more like that on the practice area to get prepared. So I do think it's important to challenge yourself whenever you're practicing, but then difference practicing and then warming up for your round, I would say. Very interesting. 
Um, just one more question I'm going to ask, then, Cindy, I'll, I'll give it back to you uh, for a moment or two. Um, when did you know, at what point during your career did you know you were a player and not just an everyday golfer? What, what was the turning point for you um, as you were developing uh, your game that you said, you know what, I, I've got a good game here, I think I can take this at a much higher level. When did that decision come for you? Uh, it was when I was 17. I was kind of thinking of what I wanted to do with golf and, and if I wanted to continue playing golf or did I want to like do something else with my life. And then I was like came to the conclusion that I really want to try to take it as far as I possibly could and kind of see where it could possibly take me. Very interesting. Um, Cindy? Did you go to the University of Tampa? Yeah, yeah, I did. And were you recruited from your home? No, I actually uh, went to a boarding school in Georgia for my senior year of high school. And there was a girl from Sweden that went to the boarding school a few years before I did, and she ended up in Tampa playing golf. So that's how I got connected with the coach there. And I went to visit Tampa, and it's gorgeous. So I was like, all right, I want to come here. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, when you went to the boarding school in Georgia, was it for golf, or was it just a boarding school for high school? It was for golf, yeah. And where in Georgia was it? It's in Rome, Georgia. That's like an hour outside of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. Now, was that scary for you when you left home? Oh, definitely. It was very scary. My my brother came with me, and he went to uh, play soccer at the same school, so that made it definitely easier. But it was a really big adjustment just with the language barrier and just, being so far from home. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. What would you tell a junior golfer, a young person who really wants to work at their game and get better, and the ups and downs that you have to experience, what would you tell them? Perspective uh, and understanding that it's it's still just golf. Sometimes it seems so much more important. And just enjoy it and have fun with it and try to remember, like, why they want to keep, like, why do they love the game of golf? And that they really would, so they would appreciate whenever you go out there and you could still have fun even if you're not playing that well. I think that's a smart move. Smart move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree. Um, Kira, let me ask you just to sort of follow up on that. Um, when you're out on tour, um, you know, when you're playing collegiate golf, you've got teammates there that you can sort of lean on um, for comfort and, and support. Um, and you mentioned earlier, you know, you do have a team, but um, essentially when you're out on tour, it's, it's you against the elements. It's really you that's out there. Um, you don't have anybody, per se, to, to really lean on. Um, and you're going to be faced with moments that are going to present uh, quite a challenge. What's the conversation that you have with yourself when things get down, whether it's a few bad holes? I know you talked about you know, uh, earlier with the bogey, it's you know, not a big deal. 
um, you know, for the most part. But there are some times where you're going to have maybe a, a string of bad holes, maybe a few bad rounds, maybe even a couple of bad tournaments. What's the conversation that you have with yourself that says to you, okay, you know what, it's okay, I'm going to move this behind, and what do you say to, to propel yourself and get yourself back on track? Um, that's about it that I would just tell me that it is okay, and I'll try to focus on things that are in my control. So I'll try to, you know, if I'm on the course and doing bad, I'll try to focus on just drinking water and making sure that I'm eating enough and trying to smile and, like, focus on my breathing and stuff that's in my control. Sometimes golf just isn't and bad holes happen, so I'll try to focus mm -hmm. on just my composure and the fact that I always tell them I'm trying my best and that's, that's all I can do. I can't do more than that, so... That's, that's pretty much what I would do. Yeah, I think that's uh, some great uh, great advice. Now, you have had um, you know a win here. This was your first professional win this season, so that obviously gives you some momentum moving forward. Um, when you're out on the golf course, and sometimes um, the wind can pick up, maybe you're getting involved with some rain a little bit. Can you adapt? Are you a player? Some players can adapt very, very quickly. Other players, uh, it kind of throws them off their, their cycle, if you will. Are you a player that you feel can adapt very quickly to uh, changing weather conditions, as an example, or maybe something happens and play gets stopped for some other reason temporarily and you've got a long wait? Some players find it very difficult to get back in rhythm. Are you able to do that uh, fairly easily? And if so, or if not, um, what do you do to, to get yourself in that position? Uh, I definitely can adapt pretty well. I would say I don't, whenever they stop playing because of weather and you have to go back in and then going back out, is that I think that's difficult for, for everyone. Right. But it, that's the way it is. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to figure it out. <laughs> so I'm not bad at it. I, I can do it. I think in that case, it also just comes down to perspective that it's just the way it is, and you'll just have to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's really all you can do. And the reason why I ask that is, you know, some players uh, can kind of just step out there and it's like nothing happened, and and other players kind of need to regroup. It maybe takes them a hole or two uh, to get back on track. Um, let me ask you just a final question for me: If golf was not in your um, in your vision, let's say, if golf was not in your uh, train of thought, what would you be doing? Uh, instead of, if you were not playing professional golf, what would you do instead? What would be your interest? I think that's a really good question because I do think about that myself as well. Uh, realistically, I would probably still be in Finland, and I really don't know what I would be doing. I do enjoy sports, so maybe I'll be working something with sports, possibly, but I really have no clue. <laughs> Well, it sounds like um, golf is in certainly in the forefront. You've already got a win under your belt. 
and uh, you're moving uh, forward down through the season. So I think you're you're on a good path, and who knows what the future will hold. But I think you've got a good, promising career uh, for now, anyways, in golf. And uh, we certainly want to wish you well and and to keep it going. But um, uh, Kira, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate you taking some time and be safe on the road and and get to your destination. And good luck this week in Albany. Thank you so much. Good luck, honey. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Kira Raihi-Jarvi um, joining us from the Up, uh, Epson Tour, uh, winner of the 2022 Ann Arbor Road to the LPGA. Um, you know, I, I don't know, Cindy, if you ever noticed this or not, um, but for the most part, I won't say every case, they never seem to be phased, uh, the players. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, and I don't know if it's just the, the way they are. It's just like nothing seems to, you know, get to them. They're just very focused, very, okay, this is what I've got to do. And, uh, you know, yep, if I get a bogey, meh, no big deal. You know, I'll just move forward. I don't know. Have you noticed that or is it just me? I've noticed it, but that's exactly what they need to do to be able to play this game at the highest level. Otherwise, it would drive them all nuts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> now, it's, it's just really it's interesting. Hard. Yeah, no doubt. And I I mean obviously I know you have to be focused and and uh and so forth, but it it's just very it it's almost like um you know, some players probably more so than others um just don't really seem to be fa- it's almost like nothing phases them. Um, you know, they can have a bad round, yeah, and, and there are some, don't get me wrong, we've, we've had a few players over the years that have said, you know, they felt like quitting, and, and, uh, but then they, you know, sort of resurrected their game and, and moved forward, but it's just very interesting, just the, the, the I guess the inner, uh, call it mental strength that these young ladies have, um, and I guess, like you said, you have to have that to be able to, uh, to get out there and do what they do week in, week out, right? Well, here's another thing. We're also speaking to the those who finish in the top ten or win. Yes. I don't. We mm-hmm. talk to a couple that are like missing the cut every week. I don't think the attitude right. would be quite the same. And again, right. those that those are the lessons you need to learn. There is no exemption from learning those lessons, as you well know. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult. But we're speaking to those who really play well and typically right. make enough money to stay out there. What about the ones who don't? And, you know, how long do they give themselves? And uh, the g- young girl that we're helping, Chelsea, she was she played terrible in the first four events, well, at first three events, and then she made a check at the Connecticut Open, and then she went to the Michigan Open because one of the uh, minor league tour events was canceled, and she ended up shooting 67 in the second round and won $2,800. So she said, you know, I was wow. praying for a good time to show myself that this is not just a whim and that I need to keep going. And I and she birdied the last hole to shoot 67. So she goes, now I got what I needed. Right, exactly. And, and what about young Natalie that we had on the other week, um, 10 years old, just um, a little spitfire and out there and wins the Under Armour Championship and you know, for her age group and just has, uh, you know, a great attitude. I mean, how many 10-year-olds have the, the kind of spunk that she has? Uh, right. You know you know what I mean? It just, yeah. 
we got to, like I said, we got to, when she comes back from overseas, from Ireland, we've got to make sure we get her back on at some point on a, on a, a future show because um, I just was very impressed by her. I just thought she just really had it together. And, I've, you know, I've spoken to a few 10-year-olds, and, uh, you know, it's different than when we were 10 years old, but um, still um, a very, very smart young lady. All right, we're going to move on here. Uh, we're going to zip into the no BS zone, and today we're going to talk about um, some steps to get out of deep rough. This is um, there's really a couple of main issues that most people find with this. Um, first one, of course, is the grass can snag uh, your golf club and cause uh, it to close, which, of course, uh, gets some uh, over-exaggerated draws, hooks, or even pulls. Uh, and the second one is, uh, again, the snagging uh, in the grass also will slow down your club, causing you to lose speed and power, which ultimately can get into weak hits and not actually getting out. So um, here's some steps. Um, we're just going to, you know, sort of brush over them here, and uh, again, give the folks a little bit of, of help on what to do. And this is an area, Cindy, I think is even more daunting for most players uh, than than what we talked about last week in bunkers, because bunkers are certainly can be challenging for those that don't understand the, the proper techniques of getting out of a bunker, um, but they don't find as, a bunker as much as they might find the rough in many cases. A lot of players get themselves, and it might only be. Uh, you know, a little ways in the rough, but they don't always know what to do. So the first one is really, uh, I, I think, is the grip. And the one thing that you want to do is you want to grip it a little bit tighter. Uh, you don't want to certainly put a death grip on it, but you want to do that. Um, normally, you know, we always talk about uh, a light grip pressure, but when you're hitting at a thick rough particularly, you need to make sure you have a firm hold on the club. Uh, otherwise, it's going to... Uh, uh, get caught up and and uh, and not be able to uh, uh, get the ball out of there. So, um, what do you feel if if you were sort of arrange it from a one to a ten? Typically, what would be your normal grip pressure, Cindy? Do you think? And then, what would you grip it if you were hitting it out of some thick rough? What would be the the, the one to ten pressure that you would use? Maybe a six and go to a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Five, six, um, I mean, five can be a little weak for some, but uh, six, I would agree with that. I think that's a good number because, again, you don't want to be gripping it too tight. But the the main thing that you want to do is you want to make sure you're holding because what people don't realize, when you're hitting it off a nice, you know, uh, fairway and, you know, it's nice, tight grass, um, sure, you're going to take a dip, it, but it's not um, it, it's not going to cause the club to really get, unless you hit it fat, of course, uh, but the rough, you know, especially if you get it where, it, you know, it's a, maybe a couple of inches thick, um, it can really, it, it, I don't care what club you're using, it, it can really snag it up there. So you've got to make sure you have a good hold on that uh, on that grip. Um, the other thing, too, Cindy, is um, recommended that you put the ball back in your stance to ensure that you're hitting down. This is something, you know, you're always going to sort of hit slightly down as you're coming in through impact, depending on what club you're using, especially your irons. Um, but you want to maybe have it back uh, a little bit more. What are your thoughts here? I agree. I agree. And I would take a lofted club as well. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's coming up, but I would definitely take a lofted club. Right. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that in a moment. The other one, now this is going to sound, uh, so I want to explain this one um, because it's going to sound like I contradicted the first one. Uh, weaken your grip. Now, that doesn't mean... Uh, weaken it by not holding it as, as tight. We're talking about weakening, um, for instance, uh, like your left hand. You might want to rotate a little bit more uh, counter uh, clockwise 
if you will, so that the thumb is a little bit more, and I'm talking about your, your lead hand for those right-handed golfers would be your left hand. Uh, conversely, if you're left-handed golfer, it would be your right hand. You want to have it just a little bit uh, weaker um, and uh, just to allow, but again, that doesn't refer to the grip pressure. That's just to prefer. Some people may not want to do that. I find what happens by doing that, because um, some people that have a strong, particularly some people that have a strong grip, if it's too strong, what ultimately happens when you're trying to go through that rough, um, again, sometimes the club face can turn over a little bit and ultimately you're not going to get the ball out there. What do you think about that? Do you weaken your grip a little bit um, when you play out of the rough, typically what you use, or do you already sort of have a, a little bit of a weaker grip so you don't need to make those adjustments? I don't change my grip at all. I, I just I open the face, but I don't, I don't change my grip. I keep it the same. Very good. Um, and again, it's a it's a personal preference. I, I think for for people that have uh, stronger grips, if you're sort of a neutral grip, I don't think that's really necessary. But I think if you're somebody that has a stronger grip, where your your left hand is turned more to the right, um, and your thumb is more on the right side of the, of the uh, grip, um, you might want to weaken a little bit. It just depends. I mean, some people don't need to, but I recommend it because I think it can shut the face down a little bit. Uh, the other thing is this sort of goes to what you just mentioned is aiming right. Um, again, the spike measures that you're taking to stop the club face from closing, thick rough is still going to close a little. So uh, aiming right of your intended tire, allowing for a draw hook if, uh, if that's the case. Or in what you do, Cindy, is you open up the face a little bit to allow for that. So you can do either one. Uh, either aim a little bit right um, if you don't want to adjust the, the club face or open it up a little bit. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory because it is going to shut it down a little bit no matter what you do. Um, I think that's uh, something. And again, as you mentioned, Cindy, as well, I think also, um, you know, clubbing up. This is another one, too, is to club up. Um, so as an example, if you had a seven iron shot, we're going to go to probably a six iron. Is that right? Now, do you, you grip know, down? I might, I might take a hybrid. Go ahead. I might mm -hmm. take a hybrid and open the face and just really chop it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the main thing is you want to be able to get out of the rough. And sometimes it can be a, an easier shot than, than what we may be talking about here. Other times it can be very difficult. It depends on how thick the rough is. Uh, do you choke down a little bit on the grip I, I in do. a case like that? or Okay. Yeah, I, I do as well. And, and, and again, the reason I do this, and probably the same for you, is I feel it gives me better control, especially if it's a longer club, whether a longer iron or even a hybrid. Choking down gives me a little bit more control over the club. Same for you? Absolutely. Absolutely, for sure. Okay. Uh, so... Clubbing up, uh, again, depending on the situation, you may want to go to a hybrid uh, just because the, the sole of the club is designed a little bit better to maybe get through. Um, the other thing, too, is you want to make sure that you're, you're really swinging down. You're not trying to go too steep, but you want to go a little steeper than normal because you've got to make sure um, that you're going to come down and you're, you're trying to get uh, to the ball and you want to make sure that you're not taking a bunch of rough uh, or hitting too much grass behind the ball because then you're going to run into a situation where you might get a flyer lot. The other thing too, uh, Cindy, that you know we always talk about is <coughs> when you're hitting out of that thick rough, you need to be certainly committed uh, to a powerful swing. 
Uh, the grass is going to slow down as we talked about. Uh, so uh, I won't say it's time to go happy Gilmore on the ball, uh, but you've got to swing down uh, on the golf ball with authority. In other words, you've got to swing a little bit harder than maybe what you might want to do because that grass is going to uh, step you up a little bit. Uh, your thoughts here? I totally agree. I totally agree. I would, I would just grip down a little bit, open the face. I would hinge my wrist and chop the snot out of it. That's what I do. <laughs> Depend, it's a terrible lot, right? Right. You've got to let it count. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and again, if you've got a lot of grass, if the ball's nestled down and you're gonna, obviously you're going to hit grass first, um, you've got to pre- prepare for that flyer lie, which a lot of times what will happen is it may actually pop out and go a little further than you expected, and it's not going to have um, the same backspin as though you were hitting it from a fairway or from a, a tighter lie. So you've got to uh, allow for that, especially if it's an approach to the green. If you feel you're at a distance, you're going to hit it to, uh, and, and get on the green. You've got to factor that in. So you might want to even adjust, um, Cindy, I don't know what, what your thoughts are here, but um, you may want to, instead of trying to, to get cute and, and hitting a, uh, you know, going for the, the pin, if, if you were, you may want to go to the fat, aim for the fat part of the green because it may, um, again, coming up with really no spin on it or very little spin on it, uh, you're going to get to a situation where it may just run through the green. What, what do you think? Absolutely. I, again, depends on the, on the distance you have to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, got to go a long way and there's nothing in front of the green maybe you take more club open the face and chop it out and let it run up you know it's typically out of the rough it's not going to stop if you're right mm-hmm. up near the green and you've got a flop shot out of the deep rough then you got to open the face wide up and mm-hmm. try to get behind the ball so that it comes out almost like a bunker shot but if you're in the rough in the fairway you know, again, it all depends on how far away are you, what's the situation up by the green, is there a bunker in front of you, can you run it up, you know, do you have to fly it over mm-hmm. something? Sometimes, you know, I, I, I've i been with Alan where he played in the PGA Championship at Shoal Creek and you just had to hit a sand wedge out of the rough from 200 yards yep. away because there was no way to get it out. So, again, the situation determines what club you're going to use and how you're going to play it. Yeah, and actually that was going to be my next point was there are going to be situations where you may have, maybe there's a creek running a little further up a, a, across the fairway or water of some, you know, it could be a, a pond or what have you, uh, and you're not going to be able to carry it. Or certainly if you're not an accomplished player, uh, even some of the better players might uh, find that a bit of a challenge. But um, you want to make sure that you, you be smart about it. So, yeah, that, that's a, a great move. Um, sometimes if the rough is, is thick enough, or there's enough obstacles in front of you that you're not going to be able to carry it, you know, you might have to pull out a wedge, uh, whether it be a sand wedge or, or, or a pitching wedge or what have you, and just advance it as far as you can down the fairway and set yourself up for the next shot um, that is going to be in the fairway, obviously, and, and uh, give you a better approach to, to the green. So sometimes you have to make those. It's not really a sacrifice, but you've got to make those adjustments uh, depending on um, where where you are, uh, on the whole, if you're way back or if you're closer up, then maybe you can be a little bit more aggressive and, and go for it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a smart move um, that he did to, to be able to do that. Um, and then also, you know, you have to kind of leave your ego at the clubhouse, which sort of follows what I just said. 
Um, you know, the tips are sort of going to allow you to advance the ball down the fairway, but if your ball is, again, really buried, um, then you might just need to take your medicine and chip it out um, just to get back in play and, and, uh, and concentrate on your next shot. So you always want to be, I think, Cindy, and I'm sure you, you've done this many times in playing in tournaments, is even though you're in the moment for that shot, you still have to think of the next shot, right? You have to think about, okay, what is my next shot or potentially what my next shot is going to be or I want it to be, and then you, that could ultimately determine your decision on this shot. Am I right? Absolutely. <laughs> Where am I going next? Always plan that out yep. because otherwise you're just yep. nearly, you know, firing away instead of thinking it through. And sometimes, sometimes you're just going to have to play for bogey because mm-hmm. if you try to be a star, you might end up regretting your decision. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So just to, to quickly recap, you know, again, you're going to find um, typically when you're hitting out, and we're, we're talking about deep rough here. I mean, there's, there's situations where the rough may not be as bad in some areas uh, and, you know, may not have to be go quite as, as uh, uh, you know, to, to what we're talking about. You may not have to go quite as uh, diligently this way. But if you're in a deep rough and there certainly going to run the risk of the uh, the club getting snagged in, in that deep grass, then a few things that you want to make sure you do. Number one, you want to grip the club a little bit tighter. Uh, again, you've got to find out what works for you. You definitely don't want to, you know, from 1 to 10, you're not going to be gripping it at a 9 or a 10 because uh, that's just not going to happen. Um, you know, certainly a, a, a 7, an 8, I think, is reasonable. Um, probably 7 is, is plenty, depending on how thick it is, maybe a little, little bit more. Um, so you want to grip a little bit tighter on the club. You want to move the ball back in your stance to make sure that you're hitting down on the ball um, because you need to be able to pop it out of that rough. Uh, then you also, uh, again, some people may not need to do this, but for some people, uh, again, that maybe have a really strong grip, you may want to weaken a little bit. That's something that you can try that might help you uh, glide through a little bit and run the, not run the risk of sort of turning it over and, and shutting that club face down. So, uh, And Cindy uh, also talked about... Uh, opening the club face, uh, maybe even aiming right a little bit, depending on the circumstance, but definitely opening that club face because it is going to turn a little bit. Um, but what you want to do uh, on that is um, you want to open the club face and then grip it. You don't want to grip it normally and then sort of twist your hands to open it that way. You want to make sure you open it first and then re-grip it with an open club face. Uh, and then uh, number five is swing hard. So you want to swing Again, you don't have to try to kill it, but you have to swing a little bit more aggressively than you would with a, a typical uh, shot out of the rough because you want to make sure that you're going to get through it. Uh, club up is the next one. Number six is you want to make sure uh, that if it's a seven iron that's, uh, and you're going to go for it, uh, typically that distance, you might need to go to a six and definitely choke down on the grip a little bit uh, to give yourself a, a little bit more control over that club um, is always a good idea. And the last one, of course, is you know, check your ego, leave your ego in the parking lot, and you can pick it up when you, when you, when you leave the clubhouse. What do you think? Anything we missed, Cindy, on this one? No, but I would just try to hit it straight on purpose. <laughs> then you won't have to worry That's about right. any of this. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting. I just uh, We're going to wrap up here in just a moment. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I think, as I said in the beginning, I think with, with the rough – this is an area that a lot of people really get stymied in. I, I don't know how many times, 
you know, when I've, when I've played with people that, uh, you know, obviously are, are not uh, very good and, um, you know, which I don't mind doing because I always like to be able to help them if I can and I always make sure they ask. I don't try to impose my, my will on them. But I'll see people that will hit in the rough and they might be 200 and something yards and they're pulling up their three wood and like they're going to go for it. And there might be some trouble. Now, if it's open, as you suggest, hey, that's fine. If you want to get it down there as far as you can, that's fine. But if you've got bunkers up there or you've got other trouble, a pond, lake, or uh, or creek or, or something, or, or a hazard, some other hazard that maybe uh, impede your, your way to the to the green, um, then that's not the club selection for you. And, um, you know, and, they, and then they just don't do any of the other things that we talked about. They just sort of get up there and, and chop at it, but they don't really put any thought to it. And if you ever watch the pros, um, as, as I try to do as much as I can, um, you know, they certainly get some funky shots in that rough. But um, I just, you know, watched uh, Rory McElroy hit something the other day. It was not really so much in the rough, but off a, a really difficult lie. And he had a, you know, hit a 30, um, you know, a 30-yard uh, uh, slice. And you know, out of the trees and so forth. And these guys just, you know, they put some thought into what they, they want to do. And they don't just get up there and hack and swing and whatever. So you, you've got to be able to really think about what you need to do. And getting yourself in the rough is, is one place that you have to uh, uh, put some thought in before you just get up there and chop away. But any final thoughts uh, or, or comments, Cindy, that you want to make? No, you're absolutely right on the money. Well, I appreciate it. All right, we're going to end a little bit earlier uh, today, um, just uh, just to because uh, we got things to do as well. Um, but uh, we want to thank uh, Kira for joining us uh, earlier. Again, the winner of the 2022 Ann Arbor uh, Road to the LPGA event, which was a few weeks ago, and we want to thank her for joining us. And hopefully, we'll you can pull a few nuggets out of our, our no BS zone discussion this morning. And just keep in mind, remember that uh, we're not going to have a show next week. I'm going to be away, so. Um, we will be back the following week with another great guest and uh, some more great discussion here on how to help your game. So on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and we will see you next time here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.